everybody, welcome to Home with Havala. We are continuing our author series. It's been an incredible series and we've gotten really good feedback about all of our guests. I hope that you enjoyed Larry Sparks last week. He has been such a inspiration in the world of publishing and just think he's really encouraging to those of us that are a little bit more on the spirit led, you know, like crazy charismatic world. He's just a great, a great guy in that world and uh, just has such an incredible heart. Um, so we've had a pretty incredible lineup um, and most of which the people I admire and as our guest today, but also I consider this guest one of my close friends. And so today on the podcast, we have the most incredible woman, Lisa Bevere is with me. How you doing, Lisa? I'm doing good. <laughs> I'm just your older twin. That's what it is. Right. I don't think it's, I know you have a, a twin that's your age. I'm just the aged twin. I'm the aged it's twin. It's true. You're my Italian looking sister. Yeah. Like I'm that's what I do often feel that way when I'm with you. I'm like, this is what my Italian sibling would have been like if we had looked Italian and that Irish gene didn't take over. So dominant. (laughs) I know. Lisa, thanks for jumping on here. Of course, um, you have many gifts. You're a mom of four boys. You run a ministry called Messenger International out of Colorado. I don't know anybody who hasn't heard of you, but you're also a New York Times bestselling author and you started out. I believe writing more than anything. Is that true? Did you start out writing more than speaking and all those yes. other aspects of your life? Yes, I actually started out with writing so I didn't have to speak. That was my <laughs> thing. I thought if I write, someone will edit me, I will make sense, the books can travel, and I can stay home and hide and never have to get up in front of an audience. That was my thought process. Haha, uh-huh, jokes on you. Yeah. <laughs> now you travel the world. <laughs> yeah, John explained to me after the fact that's not how it worked, but I didn't know it at the time. How did you, when you started to write a book, what made you want to write? And then obviously there's a big journey toward writing a book and then becoming an, a consistent author and then eventually New York Times bestselling author. How, how did this journey start for you? You know, I think Havla, I, again, this, you got to remember, I'm a lot older than you. So (laughs) when I wrote my first book, all the Christian women books were ridiculous. In my opinion, there was one called The Total Woman, and (laughs) it recommended stripping naked, wrapping yourself in saran wrap, and meeting your husband at the door. Again, (laughs) I feel like that would have been traumatic for John and and not healthy, not healthy for me. Uh, There were things about color me beautiful, whether you were in autumn, winter, spring, uh, summer. (laughs) And I was a reluctant winter. I had orange hair when I should have just left it the natural color. There were books about, you know, we, we all need to be, what is it like create like book scrapping, scrapping books and drinking tea with, with your children. And as a mother of four boys, like I'm sorry. Yes, they drank tea when they were vomiting. That was about the only time we did tea time, you know, unless I was a bribe. So I just could not find any books written 
to me. I said, there's got to be some crazy people out there. There's got to be people whose husband has locked them in the garage. I I need to know that that woman exists (laughs) because I'm going to tell her she's going to make it. So I I wrote a book called Out of Control and Loving It because that had become a journey for me. I had been in control and loving it, then Mm. in control and hating it, then out of control and hating it. I feel like this is a process. And then finally, (laughs) out of control and loving it. And I thought, somebody, somebody needs to know that not all women are born perfect Christians who scrapbook Mm -hmm. and wrap themselves in saran wrap while they drink tea. I need, I need somebody who can speak to this crazy person who wants to do life and faith well, but has navigated some fears and challenges. And so I wrote the book. I remember I was actually changing uh, a a son's diaper, Arden's diapers, when they called me and they said, hey, your book is number five. And I said, wait, like, what do you mean? And they said, in the paperback world, your book is number five. I said, (laughs) you guys only published 14 books. So is that good? And they said, no, 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 not with (laughs) us, but with everybody. And back then it used, it it wasn't like a Christian book paperback uh, with the motivation of scrapping. It was like all paperbacks. And so I said, wait a minute. So it wasn't just sleep deprived rantings. This made <laughs> sense. And they were like, yes, it did. So I was in shock and, and I thought it was done. I was like, that, well, that was everything. That was, that was basically, that was basically everything. <laughs> and, and then uh, I did get invitations to speak and I would tell people, you have my permission to read the book out loud. And Joel was like, wait, so that's not how it works. But <laughs> then I wrote another one about uh, the true measure of a woman because kind of when you get a teeny bit of success, you're like, whoa, 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 I think I've arrived. And God's like, actually, let's talk. You are not what you do. You so are true. not who you know. You are not what you own. You are not what you weigh. You are not. And he like stripped me of everything. Mm. And then I was like, well, then who am I? And he <laughs> ultimately said, you are your fear of the Lord. And so I, because I was going through a painful process, I was like, everybody else needs to know this. And so did that. And then it just became a progression. I wrote on eating disorders next, then anger, then my wonderful, horrible heathen past and just kind of went... <laughs> Went down was that the road. kissed the girls and made them yes, cry? Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> I it figured, was yeah. <laughs> and so, so you kind of, it's interesting, like listening to you describe your books, you really went through kind of the vulnerabilities and the healing that you went through. And then did you end up writing about Girls with Swords after that? Yes. So Girls with Swords was a little bit down the road. So yes, it went Kiss the girls. Then where did I go after that? Hang on. Let me think. I should know this. <laughs> I think it was Linus Rising. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then Girls with Swords. But um, yeah, I, I just, I kind of embraced my violent side. I realized, <laughs> yeah. okay, <laughs> you know what? Uh, we, I, I'll be honest with you, Havla. I felt as a woman that mm-hmm. I always had a disapproving man voice looking over my shoulder. And I realized that that was not God. That was, that was a man-made mean religion thing. And mm-hmm. I would say lioness arising 
was the first time that I, I just said, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to say certain things. And I also was, I want to say late forties when I wrote that book, but that might be a lie. I might've been 50. And I felt like, you know what? I, I have enough length of days to say certain things and I'm just going to say them. Wow. Like I have enough credibility after all this. Right. In right. some way. Yeah. Yeah. And I've tested God and found him faithful. And, yeah, yeah. and I have uh, seen that when I try to fight something in my own strength, how I fail and how I see that when I take God's word and I speak it into my life and I live it with how I interact with people, both private and public, how everything shifts and changes. And yeah, I just wanted, I wanted people to know that. And Havla, with Girls With Swords, I actually um, felt like God said there is an entire generation of young women who are unarmed and unaware. You, as an older woman, need to forge some swords for them. It's really interesting that God started speaking to you back then because it feels like as I think about the books you've put out, it's almost like God hasn't let up on that narrative in your life. Because even your newest book, Godmothers, which is called Godmothers, Why You Need One and How to Be One, which is just out, it's kind of right along that same line of teaching women how to stay powerful and that that they really can show up in their life wholehearted and fully, like strong is not wrong, which we've talked about. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that God was already working on that years ago. Absolutely. And you know, have a, you got to come and be with me for my birthday. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. I uh, loved it. Turning 60 was, you know, an intentional shift for me. And I didn't think it was an accident that I would write Godmothers as I entered into my 60 on up years. I felt like it was very important that I create a a vehicle of impartation and a vehicle that created pathways and that I would actually expose that what was a need for me when I was 30 is sadly still a need for the young women. And they are watching for a mother to be watching for them, not watching for them to mess up, not watching for them to not dress well, not watching for them to fail, but watching for them to succeed. And the Bible is so clear that the path of the righteous winds ever higher. So if it goes higher, that means I should have a lofty, perspective. And I should be able to look down and say, hey, 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 don't turn left. There's going to be a major fallout. If you go that way, let's just keep going straight. Let's keep going forward. We need people by our side more than we need people on our side. And the people that are by our side, they'll help us course correct. They'll ask us the questions we don't want to answer. And they'll tell us the things that we may not at that moment want to hear because they are committed to our growth. And that's what a godmother is. She's going to come alongside you to help you grow in godliness. You know, I, when I, I, I love that. And when I picked up your book, um, godmothers, I think I was struck with how rich it is right away. Like I started reading it and I'm like, dang, there is just, it's packed full of stuff. And I know your life, like a little portion of it, not all of it, but you are a very busy woman and you have a lot uh, coming at you as a, you know, you travel full time, you have a full home. Used full to, of, used to. Uh, yeah, used <laughs> to. But just like, when do you as a writer, 
when do you write and do you do it? Um, and I know this a little bit, but just for our listeners, do you start working on a book and work on it all year? Or do you hide yourself away in a closet uh, and not eat, not shower? Like how do you work on books? It's kind of a combination of both of those. I am a procrastinator. So yes, <laughs> I could start it like a year out, really like have a great pace and then forget about, not forget about it, but like not, not be consistent. And yep. then all of a sudden panic. Then there's like eight weeks of panic. Like I have a manuscript due and it needs to be 75,000 words. And I've written 15,000. I am not showering. I am not eating. I am not feeding my husband. This will have to happen. And sadly, I mean, John is very disciplined. He, he just writes a thousand words a day before 10 a.m. I prefer <laughs> to write at night. My brain works better after wow. dinner. And so some of the stuff I write in the morning, I come back and I look at it. I'm like, yeah, you didn't have enough caffeine. Like whatever <laughs> that was, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, I wrote the same chapter twice when I was writing one of my books. Like as I was writing the second time, I thought, why does this sound familiar? And then I just <laughs> yes. did a, a unique word search and I was like, oh, because I wrote this chapter already before I went to Russia. But after I went to Russia, I totally forgot I'd ever written that chapter. <laughs> I know. We've all done it where you think, I feel like I've written this, but I don't know. And then you go back, you realize you've already taught that or, you know, that's yeah. just part of the, the, the lack of clarity and maybe the, the part of that keeps us humble. Like, yeah, we don't have it all together. But I'm curious, uh, yeah. like, if you, like, when you started writing, did you reach out to a publisher or did a publisher reach out to you? How did you start that first moment? So I had a very unusual situation. So John had this message in his spirit uh, that, that you would know as the bait of Satan. And, yes. and, and I remember he would write during the day because that's when smart, intelligent, disciplined people write. <laughs> and then he would turn it over to me and I would work, I was pregnant with Arden, I remember, I would work on it. I would do a rework on what he had written during the day at night because we knew that the majority of our audience were going to be females. Women are the ones, which is beautiful and tragic. Women yeah. are the ones that say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn. I, I want to be godly. I want to I know how to love my husband, love my children, love my community, serve well uh, in, in a way that honors God. And yet they are also the least utilized. So anyway, mm -hmm. so I thought, okay, if he's writing and it's going to probably be to women, uh, John is so direct. We had to, we had to warm it up a little bit. So he would write, I would do, a, you know, I wouldn't take the content away. I would just make it more conversational and inclusive. Right. And so we would meet with the publisher and uh, the publisher would get feedback. And I was in those meetings a lot. And so what happened was the publisher looked at John and said, Hey, would Lisa ever write a book? And John said, you know, that's a good question for Lisa. Don't put me in the middle. So they contacted me and I just laughed at them. I said, you know what? Every wife is anointed to edit her husband. Me saying, John, don't say it like that. Say it like this. That was like a gift. That was like my favorite thing to do. I said, what you're asking me to do by writing is 
not to mess with John's clay, but to go into my backyard of my life and dig up my own dirt and figure out how to mold it into something that is helpful to others. And I don't know if I want to do that. And yeah. so I, I slept on it for a couple of days. And then I, I remember I was getting ready. And again, you know, being the mother of four kids, brand new baby. Um, I tried to find a suit where I could be professional looking because back then we wore suits and pantyhose and, and I was putting on mascara. And I remember uh, Alec was crying because he knew if I put makeup on, I was leaving. So I was putting makeup on, he's crying. And I looked in the mirror and have a, I'm telling you the God honest truth. I heard the Holy Spirit say, as I'm putting on mascara, this yeah. day, your life changes. And he said, this is wow. the day you move outside of yourself. And so I met with him and I said, if I wrote a book, this is what it would look like. I'd have to be really honest. I'd have to talk about, you know, hard stuff. It's not right. going to be fluff and you can't put a flower or a waterfall on the front cover. I, I won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they said, okay. So I, I didn't have to do a book proposal. If, you know, I, I'm, I'm just saying right now. If I'd had to do a book proposal, probably nobody would have published me. They would have been like, totally. what, is this, what does this even mean? What are you trying to say? You and I are both verbal processors, mm -hmm. so I can talk through something. And so then I did Out of Control and Loving It, True Measure of a Woman, and uh, You Are Not What You Weigh with that publisher. And then I have had the blessing of having publishers come to me or agents come to me since then. Yeah, which is amazing. And, and that's like a whole nother process that, you know, new authors don't understand, but eventually you build your audience enough to where that's not what you're thinking about. You're thinking more about the content and, and kind of serving your audience in a way versus trying to find your audience. It's just a different, you, you, there's a kind of a switch that flips at some point. Do you think, um, as you look back in writing, what would you have told yourself as a new author that now all these years later, you know, you're like, oh, if I had known that it would have made it a lot easier for me. That's a good question. Um, I think that I would have gone deeper in certain subjects rather than try to be really general and broad. Yeah, I think I, um, I think I would have said, um, I know with Out of Control and Loving It, I, I you know, I, it, I mean, I'm not saying it was a bad book. I'm just saying I, I covered a lot. I wish I would have covered less and gone deeper. So for example, wow. Girls with Swords, Lioness Arising, Without Rival, Adamant, Godmothers, that, that wasn't like all of those have a commonality of theme. And so it, each, each of those um, titles, each chapter interacts with it. You know, so um, like, okay, I'll just use Godmothers. It'd be like why you need one, um, be, you know, and then it talks about begin with what you know. Godmothers, that's what they do. They help you begin with what they know. Or when Godmothers and Goddaughters connect, what happens? When they collide, what happens? You know, mm -hmm. how to be, so it, uh, I would have interacted with more intentionality around a single element as opposed to, and I, I think it might've been insecurity uh, as opposed to being very broad range in my approach. So out of control and loving it was broad range. Um, whereas true measure woman was very focused. You are not what you weigh. Very focused. Kiss the girls, very focused. And I, I think they do better when they have a very clear focus. I totally agree. I, I definitely feel like even my book, I, I was too broad. I wish I would have been more 
not detailed, but just had gone deeper in a topic rather than hit every stronger than the struggle. I look back and I, first of all, probably would have titled it something different, (laughs) which is interesting. I'm doing a lot of studying on titles right now. And Mm -hmm. you know, there's that whole kind of history of titles that there was a a publisher that would, that would publish uh, books. And then if they didn't sell 50,000 in one year, they would retitle it and sell it until it finally sold. And I think some of that, even the way that I titled some of my work has been very trendy and on brand, but not necessarily clear messaging. Like, I don't know if I put the reader first. Sometimes I think my branding has put my, my own taste first. And so just, just going back and looking back and realizing like, oh, I I could have gone even, even want it to, I feel like you kind of protect yourself initially in how you write because you're not sure. But as you get older, the more you're not protecting the story, you're more like, listen, I wish somebody would have been honest with me. Mm-hmm. I think that's the gift of age. Like yes. when you and I are together and we talk through life, I know I'm going to get the truth from you. I think you've probably always been pretty honest in life, but I kind of feel like you, you want to save me pain and you want, you tell me the things you wish somebody would have told you, which is what Godmothers really is. Yeah. And I don't know that you actually have certainty. You know, I think maybe 10 yeah. years ago, I would have had more questions and answers. You know, so I think that as, as you age, you have more certainty. You have more of an assurance of God's faithfulness. You have more of an assurance of how you measure things. You know, I had somebody ask me the other day, I thought, a very difficult question. And they said, how Mm -hmm. does being a godmother bring any kind of uh, solution to the racial issues? And of course I was like, wow, all right. (laughs) And so, but I paused and I said, you know what? Um, Length of days. I said, I can, I can say perhaps there's room for growth, you know, in Mm -hmm. certain, in A, B and C area, but we are not where we used to be. And I can, I can look at the length of days over 60 years of my life and, and see the growth and improvement where, and I said, now, now here's the thing. Um, when you first get married, so I tried to say, let's talk about this as a marriage thing. I said, when I first got married to John, I had so much awareness of every mistake he made. Oh my gosh, he did this, this, (laughs) this, and this, and this. I said, now I've been married 38 years. And I said, in that 38 years, I can easily choose to highlight just the mistakes and bring those things to the forefront. Or I can say, you know what? My marriage is better now than it was five years ago. And five years ago, it's better than it was 10 years ago. And go all the way back and I can celebrate growth. And I think that is something that you don't Mm. get when you're young. You don't have a chance to celebrate growth because you're still in it. You're still in it. And, you know, and it it doesn't mean that you're not asking the right questions. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have those conversations. It's just peer to peer. I'm going to get sympathy. And older woman, younger woman, I'm going to get insight. And so sometimes we need insight. Like, hey, listen, I completely understand why you feel that way about your husband, about your children, about your government, about the church. But let me just tell you what I have seen, you know, and and I think um, that becomes very key is that you need someone in your life that's going to see your hardship and even though you're crying in that moment, they're going to tell you that you will laugh in your future. 
They're going to tell you that, hey, listen, I know this seems mundane. I know this seems frustrating, but Havla, you are clothing your household in purple and scarlet. You are working hard in this season. And the season that is so exhausting is going to be your season of strength in the next season. And I just don't know that, you know, like you can call your friend and be like, my kids are driving me crazy. And they're like, my kids are driving me crazy. This is, and, and then, but you know, hopefully a godmother would say, okay, what, what's going on? And then you right. say, they're, they're just running around the house and they're naked and they're, you know, okay, <laughs> naked is normal. Okay. So let's talk about what we, like, she'd be able to help you navigate the perspective so that you can actually be a gatekeeper on your life and, brilliant. and focus on the things that really matter. And one of the things Havla, I feel like is so difficult that was not present in my day when I was writing or when I was researching is I didn't have everybody else looking in and I wasn't, I didn't have a window to everybody else's house. And so I didn't have to worry about comparison. I didn't have to take a photo of my Lego strewn house. I I didn't have to impress anybody. Um, And, and that's a lot of pressure to, to play to a constant audience that can love you one day and hate you the next. And it's so true. Yeah. You know, it's and I think be- you do a good balance on it. Well, I try. I, I try to respect my own limitations. Like, yeah. I don't. I why am, I don't need to post today, and I'm not disappointing anybody. Or I can post five things today, and I'm allowed to do that because that's what I want to do. I try to stay in power of what what serves like what I'm comfortable with, and not violate anything or make sure that I'm not doing it for someone else. But it's very, very difficult. Very difficult, and. I, I don't envy, you know, it, even with my littles, we had, you know, all we had was Facebook and it was like, Havlet is dot, dot, dot. And it'd be like cooking dinner, <laughs> doing laundry, you know, like that Taking was the updates. Yeah. yeah. So now, I mean, it's like you, you're now curating content in all of it. And it's very, it's very different. I think one thing that I, I have respected you in is, and what I think I really love about you is that you've really allowed humor to, to soften the blow, but you haven't diluted the truth. So have you always kind of been funny as you've communicated? And do you, have you used humor in your books to soften the blow? Or do you feel like that only translates more in person? You know, I do think that I do try to use humor in, in my books, but I do think there's a (laughs) lot lost if you don't have the tone or the timing. So, um, I have, found that I do better with humor. I do better with a story. I like to be an observer and then here, here's the lesson. I don't like people talking to me in such a way that is so direct where I feel like I have to get defensive. And so, you know, like, you know, I was, I was laughing at, um, you know, like, again, who knew that (laughs) when I wrote Godmother's uh, I really felt Havla to write an entire chapter called when healing is what you need. And mm. who knew, you know, who knew we'd be in a season of COVID. And mm. I, I, I really felt like talking about being a woke mama. I did not know woke was going to take on a, a different term, but I talked about Deborah and that when she woke up, what she did was call out the strengths in other people's mm. lives. And 
I feel like right now that God is saying you need healthy, intentional connections with women who are transformational. And we need many women. You know, so we need women who've walked on the path in front of us, whether we're talking about authors, women that say, hey, this is how I did it. And what didn't work. And this is what did work. Women who are mothers. This is what I did. This is what didn't work. Women in their marriage, women in godliness, women in different areas of profession, you know, because they are pioneers. And at the end of the day, we can actually put a little bit of pride on this or put a, a, a God-marked grace on it. Because I feel like women are rising right now, but we need to choose. Because we've risen, it's a good thing. But that doesn't mean that rising is always going to be used to benefit other people. We can say, well, now that I'm up here, I'm going to push down the people that didn't help that process. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with right now in our culture, we see women rising. And we see men kind of kind of having a rough time. And I really felt like as a godmother, I needed to remind the women, does our original mandate still stand? You know, do we have the capacity? Is this still something God would bless if we take what is not good in the men and make it good? Because Adam has begun to think it's good to be alone. And we know that God created us so that man would not be alone. And there's this very obscure scripture, Jeremiah 31, verse 22, and it says, God's going to do a new thing. A woman will encompass a warrior. And I looked at the different commentaries and Havel, there was nothing. They, they could, they're like, well, this is just an yeah. unusual moment. And when I prayed into it, I felt like I saw a dejected, depressed, maybe addicted man. You know, he's, he's living a life bound to pornography. He's lost all hope of intimacy. He's, he's named things in his life, but none of those things have met his needs. And a woman comes behind this warrior, puts her arms around him and begins to whisper in his ear, you are a son of God. You are a warrior. Has God not said to you? And I think when the mothers, the godmothers, the the motherly protectors. When and you could be fifteen in that, or you could be eighty in that. When we awake, we begin to speak for the sons and daughters to arise. And again, all of our influence is saying, "Hey, whatever is on your life, do it." You know, Jesus's mothers looked at the servants and said, "Whatever he tells you to do, do it." And I think that is your goal with trying to equip people. I know that is my goal because when you do the God thing on your life, it strengthens the God thing on my life. We are not competing or depleting one another. We are magnifying and multiplying one another's gifts and callings. That's right. And I love it. Um, I love that you speak to women and you challenge women to be strong, but And I I always remind people like you have a house full of men. So like, it's not like raw, raw, you know, women only some kind of liberal, you know, uh, you know, whatever feminist 
thing where it's like, we want women to be stronger than men. You know, we want equality in terms of value that God sees us yeah. both as highly valuable and, and highly, there's an intention behind all of our calling. But I love what you're saying, which is, you know, you can be a strong woman, but there's a, there's a divine destiny to come along our the male <laughs> part, you know, story or the male relationships in our lives and really encourage. And I, I just love the balance and the line that you walk with that. Cause I think you, it could be easily pushed over to another level, but you know, I always say I have a house full of men. You don't think, I don't want to demoralize my men or demasculinize them. I want them to feel empowered, but I also know what it's like to be a powerful woman in a house full of men. And I see the limitations there at times too. So I just love the reality of kind of how you walk and you, you walk in with a humility, but you don't, um, you don't partner with weakness. And I, I just, I love that. I, I think I've always caught that from you. I've never, ever heard you speak negatively about your husband or about your boys or about men. I've never heard that from you, but I also don't ever get a sense that you are somehow playing small either. It's a really beautiful, like, can, I don't know. I, I just really admire that in you. Well, thank you. Well, it's the cowardly who bully and mm. it takes strong women to raise strong men and it takes strong men to raise strong women. And, and I don't just mean as in children, I mean, you know, a godly woman, who is he who can find her, you know, a virtuous woman. There is something a husband can mine in his woman. He can take out the gold. He can take out the diamond. He can speak truth and love and wash her in the water of the word, or he can, he can diminish her value thinking it will add value to him. And I feel like the women have a similar role. A wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman with her own hands tears it down. And I cannot build a house in my own strength. I can only do it by partnering with God and his wisdom. And I don't know if I said this last time, but you know, when I was pregnant with Alec, I just ate a lot of ice cream and I got, <laughs> I just got so fat. I mean, I was, I don't even know how I did it because we were poor. I just think high calorie intake, living yeah. <laughs> in Florida, pregnant, due in July. So there was a moment for some reason, John was on the floor and, and John's kind of like Ben, you know, he, they're lean guys. Mm -hmm. we, we got mm -hmm. some lean men and we were poor. So John only weighed 138. And oh, yes. I remember, <laughs> I remember straddling him and thinking it was hilarious because he couldn't get up. Cause I was, I was like 170 <laughs> something. I mean, I, I was like, Hey, I'm so strong. Well, I wasn't strong. I, I was I was just large. I was just in large. And, and I realized that I, I had mistaken holding someone down for strength because wow. it actually takes more strength to lift somebody and carry them than it does to hold them down. And I think that is the question that we have before us. We've risen. Will we lift or will we hold down? Will we stomp men Will we attack? What, what will we do with this noble rebirth and wow. the ability to have influence and voice? And for me, a godmother will challenge you with that and say, hey, I know it'd be better to curse those. It feels better initially to curse those who have cursed you, but God's going to ask you to bless them. God's wow. going to ask you to turn the other cheek. God's going to ask you to go the extra mile. These are not things we're hearing in our, our, the narrative of our culture. No, we're not. 
We absolutely are not. And I love that, Lisa. I feel like anybody who grabs this book, Godmothers, is really going to walk. You're going to be able to teach them some of these things you're talking about. Um, a lot of them are in the book, but it's also, um, I feel like it, it's going to be able to channel even that that desire for change and that desire for to have what you do not have. You know, I think my I think my dad used to say, if you constantly look for become what you've looked for your whole life. Like make sure that if you're looking for, he said, I didn't have a dad and I always wanted a spiritual father. And finally the Holy Spirit said to me, then become a spiritual father. You can't find one. My dad, my dad. That's exactly what God said to me about be that woman. I was like, that's a joke. Be that woman. Yeah. And he said, cause he goes, I don't know how to do that. And he goes, you'll become one. And, and he has, but I think so many of us, I think in our culture, and I don't know if you felt this way, but you know, I'm a 40, I'm almost a 43 year old woman. And there's so many things I wish I had. And I'm like, I want this and I want this. And God's like, you're not a kid anymore. Like stop <laughs> acting like, you know, you're just a 17 year old that wants certain things. Like you've got to turn around and start helping those behind you. I know that you think you're 25 in your head, but you're not 25. And yeah. I do sometimes think that women, we get stuck in this kind of maturity level or spiritual level where we think, oh, I'm just this young person, but God doesn't see us like that. He sees us as we're growing in him, that we have something to give. And sometimes I think people want to fulfill their purpose and, and they think that has to do with the platform or a book or whatever. But sometimes their purpose is helping somebody who was just like them and needing that next step. Well, did you see how I ended the book? I ended the I'm book. I'm not through it all the oh, way no, yet. No, it's not a quiz. I promise you. It's not a quiz. <laughs> so, so one of the things that I, I found and, and, you know, again, Havel, when I was writing it, I had no idea just how much this was going to be a need. But Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, you know, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. But what, to your point of what you were saying, the message paraphrase says, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of to compete or fight. That is wow. when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. So we actually discover who we are by helping others discover their place in God's family and not fighting, but confronting for peace. So we need godmothers and godfathers that are going to help the sons and daughters learn how to work together rather than to compete and fight. And as we do this, we find our place. And I've had the privilege for so many years to speak in front of people, but I'm going to tell you how I actually enjoy speaking into people more. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I've seen that, Lise. I've seen that with you. I feel like as someone who does get to talk to different people, you kind of often have to take them at their word. But I would say I have evidence of that in your life and just having been in your world for, gosh, I want to say now almost six years, but just being in your world where I've seen you do that. I I love you. I I think anybody who wants to to have that transformation, you need to pick up this book. I have a, a hard segue, but two two questions. First yes. is the book. The cover in your back, the back of the book, is you and your dog. Like how yes. cute is that? Did she did you plan on putting her in that, or is that just like a spontaneous moment? So I think we were shooting something. She jumped up on my lap and started She's kissing so me violently. <laughs> and, so, and, it, and the photographer got it. And I just thought, you know, for all the people that hate me, maybe they'll love my dog. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> She's so cute. I wish that Bear and her could be uh, related. I, I mean, we could be related somehow. Maybe our dogs could have got together, but she's yeah. now um, going to stay pure. Bear is yeah. not going to stay pure, she's, but she is. She's here forever. <laughs> she's, she's had her uterus yanked. Sorry, Lexi. <laughs> That's right. And then lastly, is there anything else like as you're start, you, you're launching this book and you're nurturing a community and you have an online Bible study for it and all that, all the good stuff. How do you know when you're ready for the next book and what's in your heart for the next, like, do you already have an idea of what you want to write about next? Or does it, is it just kind of, do you kind of pause and wait for a little while? Well, you know, I don't know if this happens to you, but often when I'm writing one book, I discover what I need to actually address in more detail. Mm. And so I actually am going to, my next book I'm going to write is going to just be directly to more of a youth audience. So maybe the 15 to 25 year olds, and I'm going to, I'm going to actually just double down on some of the things that our culture doesn't want us to talk about. They don't want us to talk about sexual purity. They don't want us to talk about any kind of authority or order or honor or, you know, obedience. These are all like dirty words, holiness. All these things are things that have been marginalized. And, um, so I think I'm going to set it up that way. Um, I had, I had over 600 questions come in, Havla, and many of them, yes, I had, uh, we just did this little 24 hour things on a story. Like, Hey, we had an hour together. What would we talk about? And I had over 600 questions come in and I could, you know, some of them were categorized. And in this, in this book, I did hit, you know, the ones that were most common, like how do you balance ministry and marriage and motherhood? Uh, right. You know, what would you say to your younger self? How do you take care of yourself? You know, you know, what are all these things? But there were so many that I couldn't answer in this book that I feel like is important to answer in the next book. And maybe it would just be a kind of a conversational book. Yeah. I, I think we're ready for it. I think that um, you, I mean, my son still says you're his favorite speaker. <laughs> okay. That just makes me I'm like, so you happy. Brat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm makes like, me so happy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think you just have I'm a gift for that. I'm going to send you the money. I'm going to send you right. money. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's his love language. I, I laugh <laughs> everywhere. I travel with Judah. People hand Judah money. I don't know what it is. I said, Judah, you have the gift of like, finance. I'm like, but he's just one of those kids where to be honest, his love language is gifts and the Lord just knows it. And we, the last week time we were gone, somebody handed him a hundred dollar bill. And I said, thank you, Judah. I'll take that to pay for your school clothing. And he was not going to have it, but I'm teasing. I didn't take it from him, but but I I don't know why. No, no, I would never take somebody else's gift to him, but it's just that sense of like, God knows what speaks to us and what we need. And he has just got Judah's number right now. And he's that almost 14 year old son who is, it is, it's getting crazy around here. And I, I mean, not to go back to the Godmother book, but I think, and I could get emotional thinking about this with you in my life because you and I both, God put us together at a critical time. But mm-hmm. and I wish I was more articulate about this sometimes when I want to say this to you, but um, you, you told me I could do it. And I think yes. deep down inside all of us, there's a point we reach where we think I can't do this. Like I literally 
don't think I can do this. Like I cannot, God, you asked me to do this, but I think we, we all hit it in our marriage. I can't stay married or I can't be a mom or I can't be a follower of you. I can't be a pastor. I can't be a leader. I can't like I've reached my limit. And I don't know if us getting in the word more and praying more and doing spiritual things is, is, everything we need to do. I think we need to cut. That's why we need the body of Christ. And we need those godmothers to come alongside of us and say, but you can like you can, and this is normal. And I remember when I used to go in my postpartum depression, I would go to my counselor. And the only word I was looking for from her was the word normal. And you Mm. use it too. That Mm -hmm. is normal. And once I knew it was normal, I didn't feel humiliated or ashamed or broken or isolated or isolated. Yeah. And so I think that's really critical and I can't wait to see what you come out with. And, you know, I love you preaching. Of course I'd sit in any service that you preach, but I also love that you're leaving this legacy and, and you will, you know, you just, this has become who you are. And I, I look forward to every book that you write, but I think you are discipling a generation through words. And I just am so grateful that you're on here, Lisa. And I think a lot of our audience just will be watching to see what comes out next and what you do. But um, if there was one book that somebody, if they've never read any of your work, what's the one book that you'd recommend that they read? Oh, wow. I know um, it's tricky, but. No, you know what? I I think I would want them to read Without Rival just because knowing who you are is more important than knowing where you're going. And yeah. a lot of people are heading down roads and they don't know who they are. So we don't find out who we are in the presence of people or by the measure of what we do, but in the presence of God. And I, I think I'd want them to know that their father is speaking life and destiny and beauty and identity over them. And uh, they think if they had that strong, they can weather any storm. I love that. I love that so much. Lisa, thank you for giving us your time. And guys, go pick up Godmothers. It's everywhere books are sold. Make sure you check her out. There's also a Bible study that accompanies it. But if you want to do something like that with your girlfriends or your church or your daughters, make sure you do that as well. Lisa, I love you. I love you too. (laughs) I'll talk to you soon. 